My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. Apollo moon landing is the greatest achievement in mankind's history. Now sit with the possibility that man has never been to the moon due to the impervious Van Allen radiation belt. This would still be a monumental achievement of a sinister nature. If they could convince Americans that we went to the moon, they could convince you that Oswald shot Kennedy with a magic bullet, that the Gulf of Tonkin was a cause for war in Vietnam, that the Twin Towers were destroyed by 19 Muslim airplane hijackers, that a vaccine could prevent the flu, and that you must obey. I say defy. Joining us to disclose never-before-heard deathbed confessions of a NASA-contracted CIA hitman, Bart Sabrell joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast to discuss that and so much more concerning the moon landing hoax. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy this conversation with Bart Sabrell. never publicly said this in any interview because I already figured, Mark, you know, I'm trying to get people to swallow this bitter pill that the moon missions were fake, right? Mark Twain says it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them that they have been fooled. And so I'm already doing this difficult job and I thought, well, I don't want to go into the zany things that happened when I found the classified tape, including phone calls being interrupted, being literally followed, being literally kidnapped and drugged by the CIA when I was trying to get the tape of classified footage of fake moon photography to CNN, literally surrounded by government agents on the doorsteps of CNN to prevent me from getting the tape to CNN, which I guess at that time was still owned by Ted Turner and somewhat honorable, right? before the CIA bought him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And with me today is quite a guest. Like no other, this man has put together a film, well, several films, but in particular, one film that we'll be discussing today, as well as a excellent book that we'll be talking about as well. 
Bart Sabrell joins us for the first time here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Bart, how are you today, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good, Mark. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into this. Uh, recently, there's been some sort of uh, revelations, some deathbed confessions. And while we hopefully will get to that later on, uh, there's a whole story here that we have to get into. And of course, you've written a book about it, Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list. And there's a film that goes along with that. A funny thing happened on the way to the moon. And uh, yeah, I, I don't blame you for <laughs> feeling, uh, you know, a little like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, hesitant about revealing that kind of info. Uh, and maybe since certain people have passed, it's it's safer uh, for them and you to discuss this now. But before we get into that, when did this all start? It sounds to me like from what I've heard in previous interviews, you've been uh, fascinated with the moon from a young age, or at least with space travel or what, what we're told is traveling through space. Yeah, my father was in the Air Force, so I always lived near an Air Force base. In fact, I was born at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, um, which is known for having some secrets, allegedly. Of course, practically every military base does. And so I grew up around high-tech airplanes and suborbital airplanes. And so when they allegedly walked on the moon in July of 1969, I was four years old, asleep in bed, actually. However, a week or so later, my father got a VIP package because he was an officer in the Air Force and as you'll find out later, the Air Force had a lot to do with the faking of the moon landing. He got a picture of about 29 by 12 color prints of Apollo 11. And so it was a cherished gift of mine for most of my youth, put it right up on the bedroom wall in a prominent spot, kind of like you could say a shrine of sorts. And of course, to the mind, if they really are on the moon, uh, and the starkness compared to Earth and the clarity of the pictures. It's kind of a mesmerizing thing. Uh, earlier yesterday, I was remembering this TV episode where uh, they took an owner's dog. And a dog has approximately, depending on the breed, about 200 times the sense of smell than a human does. And they put on a mask on another person that was identical, you know, very high quality mask of their owner. And the person who was not their master, but wore a face mask identical to their master's face, walked, you know, into the room and the dog got super excited and jumped all over this person who was not their owner because of the visual meaning that their greater sense, their 200 times greater sense of smell, because to a dog, different people smell dramatically different. So the dog's sense of smell being 200 times greater than its sense of sight, the sense of sight was still the winner. Anyway, there's something different about that. And so really, as human beings, we're supposed to have a great brain. And logically, you know, going from never being in space to walking on another planet in eight and a half years 
is really illogical, really, if you think about it. And yet we were, our senses were overwhelmed, overcome by this visual. And so was I as a kid. So you can imagine uh, between the age of four and 14, 10 years, seeing these pictures of allegedly men on the moon every day, that means I saw the pictures 3,650 times. So that's a lot of imprinting, or you could say brainwashing, right? So I remember seeing this TV show when I was 14 years old. It was called the News Magazine Program. It was nationally syndicated. And they had on their program a gentleman by the name of William Casing who worked during the Apollo program at NASA for six years. And he had very high security clearance. And he read a memo that said the odds of going to the moon on the first attempt with 1960s untried technology was one in 10,000 chance, meaning they're virtually going to kill the crew. I mean, virtual guarantee. And he's like, well, then how did they go to the moon? (laughs) Right. So he figured out that it was a bluff. And so the first notion, Mark, it kind of caught me as an open-minded 14-year-old. And so I'm like, oh, never thought about that. Let me go back to my bedroom wall right after the show. And there they were up on the wall. And I start looking at them. And actually, in the first publication of pictures, which is that packet from 1969, and if you can find a textbook or book about the moon landings from the library or on eBay that was published in 1969 or 1970, the pictures are different than what they show today. They've color corrected the ones today because the soil of the moon is actually a caramel brown color. And as you can tell from the Chinese probes, which I believe are genuine, it's caramel brown. And in the original pictures, they're caramel brown. Now, in the ones you see at NASA's website and that they print now, the soil is grayish blue so that it matches the grayish blue backgrounds, which were fake. So in my pictures, you have this caramel brown real dirt and then this grayish blue Uh, background. And you could see a pretty clear straight line going across left to right where the fake soil ended and where the, you know, I mean, real soil ended and the fake background began. Now, uh, I'm a filmmaker now and would later become a filmmaker. And in my opinion, if I were faking it, they're standing in most of the pictures really close to the fake background, which I would not do. I would put the background as far away from the camera as possible and have the subject in the fake, you know, moon set stand as close to the camera and as far away from the background as possible. But they're standing really close to the fake background, like three or four or five feet in a lot of the pictures. So it makes it easier. And so I saw that as a 14 year old and I'm like, huh, isn't that interesting? And then fast forward another 10 years and I'd become a filmmaker. So I'm 24 years old. My job as a filmmaker is to make fake scenes look real. And that, you know, that you could call it that uh, sand in my oyster in my brain is still there. You know, kind of like I wonder about that. So as fate would have it, I'm editing as a filmmaker one day for the man who produced the TV show I saw 10 years earlier about the moon landings being fake. And I'm like, hey, who was that guy in your show who said that the moon missions were fake? He goes, I don't remember his name. That was 10 years ago. But he did give me the phone number for the San Francisco production office. So I called them. Another faithful event. They said, had I called a few days later, 
they would not be able to tell me his name because every 10 years they throw away archives to make room for more current projects. So I just within days was able to find out that his name was William Casey, an author of many books and a former employee uh, of Rocketdyne, whose headquarters at the time was at NASA. And so I call him up. And um, uh, and to be quite honest, I remember calling him from a payphone across the street. I, I'm already thinking, you know, I hope they went and they probably did go. At least that's what I thought then, not now. But I'm thinking in case they did fake it, what would I do if I were them? I, I might have killed Bill Casing and put a, uh, you know, a proxy in his place so that people with juicy information would come to him as the prominent whistleblower who published a book about the fake moon landings. And uh, so I'm like, well, just in case, let me call from a payphone. <laughs> and after a couple of minutes or seconds, really, you could tell from his grandfatherly nature, it was the genuine article. We start talking on a regular basis and he's like, hey, Bart, you're a filmmaker. You should do a documentary about the moon landings being fake. And I'm like, oh, let me think about that. And I, I did a lot of research and pretty much took six months off, paid myself a salary for six months to just research whether the moon landings were real or fake. And I came upon many odd things. Um, you can really prove that the moon missions are fake by one picture, which you can see for free at Sibrel, S-I-B-R-E-L.com. My book, which just came out, has 16 video links. So it's kind of like an interactive book. I write a chapter and I say, hey, now go to link two so you'll know what I'm about to talk about. Well, link one is a three-minute video I made about why. Very simple. In three minutes, I can show you why the moon missions are fake. And one is a picture from the alleged last mission to the moon where an astronaut shadow is going in the 12 o'clock direction and a rock about five feet away is going in the nine o'clock position. And I show another picture. If you go outside on a sunny day and have two people or two trees, and in the case of the picture, two telephone poles about five feet apart, you'll see the sun being 93 million miles away and 1 million times bigger than the earth, that the shadows from sunlight are gonna be cast in the same direction over an entire continent or the moon. So sunlight shadows, which they claim was the condition on the moon, would always run parallel and it'd be at mechanically, scientifically, mathematically impossible for them to intersect. So why are they intersecting at 90 degrees from object five feet apart if it's sunlight? Well, that means it's not sunlight, which means it's electrical light, which means they're on earth and not the moon. So you can really prove it. So when I'm first investigating, I see that picture. I'm like, that's weird. Then I find out that two of the three astronauts on the very first mission don't want to talk about it, won't grant interviews. And I'm like, that's really weird. Can you imagine if, if let's say, you, you know, there are three people on a team, sports team that won some big event, and there was a little hint that maybe they cheated and two of the three, you know, refused to talk about it you would think maybe they did cheat, right? <laughs> and so then I find out that the administrator of NASA, the guy who's going to say, hey, look what I did. I put a man on the moon. He quits without explanation days before the first mission. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then I find out that it was actually the Soviets who were more advanced in space travel than we were. They launched the first satellite, the first animal, the first man, the first... 
Bet. The first of two spacecrafts at the same time. First spacewalk, space milestone, and jump to the moon. I mean, it's really remarkable to go from never being in space to walking on another world in eight and a half years. I mean, it took them 10 years to build a 747 after decades of aircraft had already been made and millions of aircraft have already been made. It took them 168 attempts to get a 747 off the ground after they made the fuselage. And yet, the most complicated mission ever done with 10 years older technology than the 747 worked on the first occasion. In fact, it's the only time NASA ever set or met a schedule that they set. It's the only time. In 2014, they swore that they would have men, people, orbiting the moon in a spacecraft four years later in 2018. Well, eight years later, they have mannequins orbiting the moon. Man, I mean, why is it that only mannequins can orbit the moon today, but 50 years ago, you can play golf and drive cars on the moon, you know? And so you can really prove that. So you can prove the moon landings are fake with the shadows intersecting at 90 degrees. And you can prove the moon landings are fake by the scientific and historical fact that you can't have greater technology in the past and in the future. Because today, the farthest that NASA can send a human being into space is 250 miles to the space station. And the moon is 1,000 times farther So they had 1,000 times better technology 50 years ago when all of NASA combined had one millionth of computing power for cell phone. They had greater technology back then than they do today 50 years later. Well, that proves it right there. So I'm investigating this, and I'm like, boy, this, this just doesn't smell right. Spiritually smelly, if you know what I mean. I don't know if you've ever been to a church and you can't quite put your finger on it, but you're like, Something's not right here. I don't know what it is. The statues or what? I don't know. But it's like, run away, run away. (laughs) So I'm like, you know, I start thinking, Mark. I'm like, you know, if they didn't go to the moon, then I start looking into it. And I kind of have this, you could say, relentless personality. I hate quitting, you know, before I get my goal. And I kind of like puzzles, too, ever since I was a kid. I'm thinking, you know, if anyone could get to the bottom of this, it might be me. But if they really didn't go and I start looking into it, that could be hazardous to my health. So to tell you the truth, Mark, I turned down the project when Bill Casing, who worked there, who told me it was fake, asked me to make a film about it. I said, no, thank you. I'm like, you know, I want to have a wife and family someday. Uh, why should I risk my life for something Richard Nixon did 50 years ago? You know, <laughs> forget it. And then I had another client who's this you know, famous Christian musician. And I had a Bible next to my dictionary encyclopedia as a writer because I need to look something up. I never read the thing. I always associated it with hypocritical preachers and religion. Didn't really want to have anything to do with it. So they said they'll get a, a script of mine to a famous Hollywood producer If I do them a favor, and the favor was they wanted me to read the Bible. So they gave me this, what's called the one-year Bible, which divides the Bible into 365 calendar days, about 15 minutes a day. And the first year, I read the Bible all the way through. So over the next five years, I read the Bible five times from cover to cover. I started June 3rd, 1989, 
the day the guy stood in front of the tanks in China and said enough is enough to his tyrannical government. Now, after reading the Bible five times from cover to cover, I wasn't a Christian by any means, just ask anybody. (laughs) But it did convince me that there is right and wrong, that I'm going to die anyway. And then it kind of seems logical you'd be judged for how you lived your life. I mean, if you're in a contest in the Olympics, you're judged or judges, right? It kind of makes sense. And I'm like, you know, if they really didn't go to the moon and lied about it, embezzled billions of dollars, murdered people to keep it a secret, printed it on coins, held ticker tape parades, gave them medals of honor for lying, if they really did that, that's actually more historically significant than if they had actually gone. And I realized this is an important, profound truth that mankind needs to know if this is the case. So I changed my mind. Literally five years go by, I called back up Bill Casey, and I said I changed my mind. Well, as serendipity would have it, days later, I meet a multimillionaire who builds rockets for NASA who knows that it's fake who gives me a million dollars to produce these movies to prove that the moon missions are fake. Now, he wants to remain anonymous so his stock doesn't go down. However, he, he works basically at NASA and knows that it's fake, and he gave me the money to produce these movies. Now, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon, which you can watch for free at sabrell.com took seven years to produce, and I'm producing it under the theory it might be true that they faked it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. It's like you hear rumors that Kennedy had girlfriends, and I'm like, look, the guy's dead. He's not here to defend himself. I don't go there. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to respect the truth and just assume someone's telling the truth, including my government, until I know otherwise. But I know there's a possibility that they faked it. So I keep looking into it. So I basically contact NASA and I say, uh, I'm doing a documentary about the moon landings, which is true. Right. And, uh, send me everything you got on just the first mission, Apollo 11, every videotape, every film strip, every still picture. I figured Mark that if they faked it, they're more likely to have made a mistake the first time they faked it because they never faked it before. Right. So I, you know, get all these tapes and I look at tape one, tape two, tape three. And these are big broadcast quality beta cam tapes about the size. I don't know how to describe it, but it's about the size of a TV tray, you know, and then an inch thick. And I see the same thing over and over and over again. Do you know how many pictures there are of an astronaut standing on the surface of the moon from the first moon mission? Like 12 pictures. That's it. You know how many pictures there are? of the most famous Neil Armstrong standing on the surface. I'm talking about a still picture like, hey, Mark, take one of me with the Eiffel Tower behind me. How many still pictures? Not TV, not from an automatic movie camera on the side. I'm talking about a a real photograph, you know, pose. Neil Armstrong, you know, most famous man in the world, on the most famous thing mankind has ever done. There's no pictures of him. Zero. I went to the archives personally, went in the vault, Ask them to go in the vault. They go in and out, scratch their head, in and out, scratch their head. There's no pictures of him. He didn't want his picture taken. That's why he doesn't give interviews. And I even show a clip of him at the very end 
of a funny thing happened on the way to the moon on the 25th anniversary where randomly, you know, high school students are going through the White House where he speaks and he says to them with tears in his eyes, perhaps someday you'll be able to remove one of truth's protective layers. You see? Well, lo and behold, you know, I just stopped looking at all these tapes and then three and a half years into the seven year project, I pop in a tape because I'm looking to find the launch unedited in real time for the drama of the launch. And it's even the launch is edited, you know, two minutes to one minute to 30 seconds. So I'm like, they got to have the launch here. And uh, I pop in a tape that says, do not show to the public. And they're faking part of the moon mission right in front of your eyes, dated two and three days into the flight with the third track of audio of the CIA telling them how to do it. Then it dawns on me, they really didn't go to the moon. And I call it Bill Casey, and I am frantic. I'm like, Bill, 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 they really didn't go. They really didn't go. And he's like, well, Bart, I told you. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. They really faked it. He's like, well, Bart, I told you. Anyway, you've let me ramble on. That's my introduction. You know, it's such a long story. I put this and more in the book, and I'll give you a chance to do some follow-up. But basically, there's so much stuff I didn't put in the film because some people, including uh, relatives of astronauts, uh, knew I was correct and asked me to not put it in the film because they were pursuing their own legal course of action. And then there were things in the book that I didn't put that I could say now because some of those people are dead as well. But I'll let you ask a question there, Mark. Thanks yeah. for your time. No, thank you. And we do appreciate uh, the long breath. You know, I don't ever feel like you're rambling on. This is all valuable information. I do have a question to ask uh, or maybe more of a concept to share. This framing of reality that took place, as you mentioned, with the visual, with the photograph, and how they subverted the logical mind uh, with something as simple as a doctored photograph. And, and what you were just describing is another example of this, um, let's say, altered perception where they're able to give you a for, foregone conclusion or a prior conclusion and then present something that's supposed to be uh, evidence of such, so then you just automatically are right in line with their prerogative, which is to show you evidence for, you know, some kind of falsity, really. And in the book, you show this image of what looks like sort of the inside of what we're led to believe is a spaceship, and you say how the camera is so uh, far away from the window if you were taking that shot inside of a spaceship, you would want the camera right up against that window to get the best shot possible, but rather they have it almost two or three feet away. It makes me think that there's something in the window, like a slide projector. It's, it's you know, just a photograph of the earth or an artist creation of what we're supposed to think the earth looks like from that position. And yeah, can you elaborate on that? Cause it seems like, no matter where you look in this story, they're using that tactic of framing reality and altering perception. Yeah, well, the footage I uncovered is of the crew of Apollo 11 pretending to be halfway to the moon and creating a one-foot model. 
and the lights come up and it's a one foot model. It's not the earth floating in space. They allegedly are halfway to the moon. Neil Armstrong says for the part they intended to broadcast, uh, we're 130,000 miles out. Interestingly, I didn't point this out in the film, but in the unedited version that I got right before he says that he says, Houston, how far do you have us out? Well, he has that equipment right on board, in a, you know, a pedometer right in front of him. So, I mean, why would uh, it, it uh, you know, have, why would he have to ask how far out he is? Because his, you know, display would say 250 miles. But he doesn't want to contradict the computer program that NASA is running. So, basically, he says that he's 130,000 miles out, which he's not. He's still in Earth orbit. And what a surprise, 50 years later, They still can't send people beyond Earth orbit. That's why there's mannequins on the Artemis rocket. And he explains that to get this shot, imagine just like a black screen with the little blue tennis ball sized Earth in the middle of it. They're trying to show here we are halfway to the moon looking back. And he explains, as it would have to be, the lens of the camera is right up against the glass of the spacecraft window to shoot that Earth far away. Well, we have the unedited version of them doing the shot over and over again because it's a special effect shot. The camera's really at the back of the spacecraft. All the lights are turned out, and several feet in front of it is a circular window with part of the Earth outside of the window because they're in Earth orbit. But it looks like from turning the the you know the black wind putting black all around the circular window. You, you see, which looks like a little bit of the circular Earth. It looks like the Earth floating in space. And then we have uh, the CIA basically telling them not to answer NASA immediately when NASA says hello or ask them a question. They count off four seconds first to create this fake impression that the radio signal had to go out halfway to the moon and then come back another two seconds. And we have that audibly heard on the tape. So we have them faking being halfway to the moon. Now, you have to ask the question, if they really went to the moon, why would they be faking any of it? And if they're faking being halfway to the moon, it's because they cannot go halfway. They cannot leave Earth orbit. One of the clips at sabrell.com is NASA's own Kelly Smith saying something that most people don't know, which is that high above the Earth, starting at 1,000 miles up, and extending up to 30,000 miles thick is a field of intense radiation that he refers to as dangerous. Well, it's not dangerous to unmanned probes, it's dangerous to people. And then he says, the technology necessary for a human being to go through that much radiation on a trip to the moon or elsewhere has yet to be invented. So how did they go to the moon exactly? through the same radiation field with the technology that hasn't been invented yet. So that's why there's mannequins going through that radiation field today. And that's why the crew of Apollo 11 is faking being halfway to the moon because they'd have to go through the radiation to be halfway to the moon, which would kill them. So we have all this proven on tape. And so you've got, you know, the shadows intersected at 90 degrees, which would prove it in a court of law, though that can't be duplicated in sunlight, period. Then you have the logic that you can't travel a thousand times farther into space 50 years ago than you can today, which is what they're claiming. You know, technology gets better over time. When the atomic bomb was blown up in 1945, just 10 years later, it was 1,000 times more powerful. 
So if they could go to the moon on the first attempt with 1960s technology, we would have been on Mars 10 years later. We'd be in another solar system by now, and there'd be bases all over the moon. So that proves it. Then the third thing is we found this classified footage of them using a one-foot model of the Earth to pretend like the Earth is floating in space from a distance. And then, as you know in the book, we have the deathbed confession of someone who was actually at the Air Force Base where they built the fake moon landing set in 1968 and told, told so on his deathbed. So we have pretty much four irrefutable proofs that they didn't go to the moon. You can even add a fifth one to the fact that they intentionally destroyed all the hardware, all the blueprints, and all the electronic diagrams, all the telemetry data as to where the spacecraft really was at the time, and all the original videotapes. They didn't lose them. Out of their own mouth, NASA says they destroyed them. So if you spent an equivalent of $200 billion to build a rocket that can go to the moon and back and go to the moon and back and go to the moon and back, why would you destroy that? I mean, maybe you should have done that with the atomic bomb, but did they destroy that technology? No, of course not. The B-52 is 70 years old, and there's 200 of them still in the United States Air Force. So why would they build a technology that can so easily go to the moon and back and then destroy it and the blueprints and the diagrams and the original videotapes of them allegedly on the moon? If you really went, you would never do that. And if you committed a fraud, that's exactly what you would do. You see, so the fact that they destroyed everything is actually proof of the fraud. Because if they really went, that's the last thing they would do to a $200 billion investment. So, you know, I wish the moon missions were real. And uh, we would live in a better world and we would have a better government. But that's just not the case. And so if you have cancer, do you want to know? And the American people need to know that their, you know, their bank accounts are being robbed, right? If you don't pay the IRS, they take it from your bank account. They do. They take it. And they're using that money not only to deceive you about that and who knows what else. They actually use that money to hire CIA agents to murder your neighbors who try to expose their crimes. Now, this is not my opinion. This is the opinion of murdered Apollo astronauts whose relatives told me so, that their Apollo astronaut husband and father came home from work one day and said, honey, for some strange reason, the CIA is all over the launch pad today. I wonder why. Very next day, he's dead. Okay? So that that's not my opinion. He was murdered by the CIA. That's the dead man's wife and son's opinion. So they're murdering Apollo astronauts who did not cooperate with the fraud, you see? And my person who gave a deathbed confession, which is in my book, what I did not publish in my book is that he personally killed somebody to cover it up. And that's actually what he wanted to confess before he died, to hopefully be right with God. He murdered a friend who was going to go to a reporter and tell the world that they faked the moon landing at his Air Force base because he thought it was morally wrong. This man who gave us this information was the chief of security at this Air Force base, and he either took it upon himself as that job description, 
or he was ordered to kill this friend, co-worker, who was going to blab. That's why he killed them. Now, you don't make up that I murdered somebody on your deathbed as you're trying to get right with God. And that was actually the more important thing he wanted to confess. He said the reason why he did it was to cover up the moon landing fraud. So now we have six proofs. We have an eyewitness testimony, you see, of someone who was there when they filmed it at his Air Force base. And all of this is in my book, Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list, which is an audio. I read it or Kindle or print at sabrell.com. And it's kind of like my final statement on the matter. So hopefully after two decades of working on this, I can move on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've done quite a lot of effort to push this forward to the, the people. And I have no doubts about it. And I hope folks listening, if they're hearing this for the first time, really sit back and consider those six proofs that you just went through. And uh, I'm sure if they go through the work you did to to track this down, they'd come to the same conclusion. But I want to go back to this uh, insinuation made by Neil Armstrong at that speech you mentioned. He, he talks about truth's protective layers. And I wonder, you know, after looking at all you've seen, who do you think they're protecting? Because it doesn't seem like they're protecting us, the American people. It seems like they're protecting themselves and they're racketeering, you know, all this tax money away from the American public to, you know, go on this, uh, you know, <laughs> who knows what black budget uh, facade, you know, whatever it's financing. It's it's obviously not financing space missions because we can't get past the Van Allen belt. So, you know, do you think it's just corruption and greed and they're just robbing the public blind and that's what they're protecting themselves from? Or, or do you think there's something deeper, something darker? I mean, you, you did talk about this being possibly a spiritual war. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it is interesting that mankind's greatest accomplishment, which is putting a man on the moon is a complete fabrication. And, Richard Nixon had the audacity to say when he knew they were not there that putting a man on the moon was the greatest event since creation, right? You know what they said about the Titanic? The ship that God himself could not sink, you see? So there's a spiritual thread here going on between mankind's greatest boast. First, it was the Tower of Babel, which the Bible says was made simply to boast that that nation's building was taller than their neighboring nation's building. Never finished. Titanic, never finished. Moon landing, never happened. You see, each time it's allegedly the greatest thing man has ever done. And each time it's actually not done. Isn't that amazing? So I think there's a spiritual lesson here for mankind. I think it would be a good thing for the truth to come out. I know there's a lot of controversy over who shot JFK, but regardless of who did it, he's dead. And there's a lot of controversy over who did 9-11. But whoever did it, 3,000 people are dead. In this particular incident, the lie is positive. It's giving candy to a screaming child. People were protesting the Vietnam War. They gave them a pep rally. They could guarantee the moon landings are successful by faking it. Right. I mean, you can guarantee it. And that and trying to take that candy away, you see. People resist it. 
I talked to a professor at an aerospace university. I showed him all this proof. Proof right in front of his eyes. They're faking part of the moon mission. Oh, they went anyway. Shadows intersecting. Well, maybe those pictures were taken in a TV studio, but the other ones are real. No. Making all sorts of excuses. And he said, Bart, there's nothing you can say that will make me recant the glorious moon landings. And I'm like, okay, well, what about this? What if you saw Buzz Aldrin on national TV confessing with tears? Uh, yes, the moon missions were fake. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. The guy said he would still think that he walked on the moon anyway. Can you imagine? The guy had to only be 10 years old at the time, watching in his living room, like rest of the world on TV. And yet he arrogantly thinks he knows better than Buzz Aldrin, who was there. I mean, that's the state of mind. One of the examples I use in the book, Moon Man at Sabrell.com, is something that happened to me many times and will probably still happen to me. I remember something like this happening. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a kitchen and everything's organized. The spoons are here. The cups are here. The plates are here. The spices are here. And let's say the salt shaker is on the right-hand cabinet to the stove, middle shelf on the left-hand side. And that's where it always is. Open it. There it is. Open it. There it is. Open it. There it is. And then one day my mother puts it in the same cabinet to the right of the stove and on the same middle shelf, but puts it on the right hand side of the middle shelf instead of the left hand side. I literally say, where is it? I'm looking at it, you know, in my not too wide, what do they call it? Panoramic view, right? And it, but it's not on the left-hand side, and that's where I'm at. That's where my brain is looking, and I don't see it, and I'm mad. Where is it? Where is it? Where'd you put the salt shaker? It's in the cabinet. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where is it? She literally comes over and shows me. It's one foot away from where I'm looking in my view, and I didn't see it because I'm not looking for it. And you see, so my own brain can be tricked. I can have a truth right there in front of me and be and not see it. I mean, that's the amazing thing. People know to look out for liars. And so they can be suspicious. The problem is they forget there's another way of being equally deceived, which is being presented with the truth and not recognizing it. We're presenting this. The moon landings are fake and they were fake. And people, you know, won't see the truth. They think the truth, they think the lie is the truth, and they think the truth is a lie. <laughs> you know, that's why the Bible says our world is upside down. It says in the Old Testament, in the last days, people will call evil good, and they will call good evil. I've gotten so many emails, literally with death threats. I'm either going to kill you, or I wish you were dead. And one said, that they wish they could watch me and my family burn alive in front of their eyes. They're so mad at me for saying that the moon missions are fake, that the government lied about at least one thing. Thou dost protest too much. Anyone who's that messed up mentally, whatever they're messed up about is, is not true. You understand? If someone has to insult somebody to make their point, then their point is invalid. And if, and if you're to the point of homicide, because someone, you know, disagrees with you, then what you believe is false. I mean, it's proof right there yeah. in the spiritual emotion 
of what you're going through. Well, it gets so, wrapped up into people's identities. I'm sure, you know, this is something that happened uh, in my lifetime with 9-11. You know, people got so upset about what happened that when you presented them with the possibility that it was an inside job, they took it as an insult to their country, an insult to their own patriotism, something that they, you know, rehearse every ball game and every, you know, holiday with their hand over their heart. You know, this is like entrained in us to love our country. And I remember the first time I saw the the moon uh, launch footage or the, the moon mission footage, what we're told is that it was in a U.S. politics class in high school. So it wasn't even in a science class. You feel like, you know, this would be a scientific matter, but no, it, it is political. And on that note, I wonder if, you know, considering what you said about the USSR beating us to space, or at least beating us to as far as man can go in space or in Earth orbit, um, has there been any attempts by, let's say, Russia or China to expose this about the American government? I mean, you know, surely uh, the CIA can keep track about, uh, you know, who says what here in America, but you know, what's to stop the USSR from China from exposing this lie? You know, they, they conceivably have the technology at least to know its limits and say, oh, the Americans are clearly lying. Uh, why would they, you know, sort of uh, uh, be duped themselves, too, about our, our moon mission? And some people use that question as a defense that because of that, the moon missions must be real. They only need to think one step further. Mm. Let's say I had a picture of a world leader with a prostitute. I could give it to the media, post it on YouTube or wherever, and ruin the person. They'd step down. Or I could blackmail them year after year after year after year for more and more and more money, more and more and more concessions. Don't you think a smart chess player like Russia and China, that they would do that instead of blurting it out? Mark, I know someone who personally works in the command center of the space station control center in China, okay? They told them, everybody knows in China that the moon missions are fake. In fact, they teach it in university that it's fake. They have a secret agreement with the United States government to not say fake. Also, they won't say it's real either for their own personal honor, right? China's never said the moon missions are real, but they have an agreement to not say they're fake in exchange for space travel technology from NASA. Do you understand? Our own government is being traitors. You have to understand when a person in the military or certain civil service, like police officers, take an oath, it's not an oath to an individual. I will obey the police captain. I will obey the president. No, I will obey the Constitution of the United States. Who has supremacy, the Pope or the Bible? Some say the Pope, but that's actually not the case. And who has supremacy, the Constitution or the president? Some say the president, but that's actually not the case. You see, and that oath says we will protect America from all enemies, foreign and domestic. You see, that's why the enemy, you know, when something bad happens in America, when the federal government is trying to cover up their own crimes, they blame it on Russia. They blame it on China. 
They blame it on Iraq. They blame it on Iran because the people who did 9-11 are Americans. The people who shot Kennedy are Americans. The people who faked the moon landing are Americans. You see, they're traitors walking among us in high places. Just ask Ron Paul or Bernie Sanders if an honest person can ascend to power in this country. It cannot happen, you see. And so that's why they have these political parties to interpret the vote. They say they have a legal right to do that because it's a private club. I don't think it's legal at all. You can't have a step toward the presidency and alter the vote legally, in my opinion. Right. It came out. Some guy leaked the information that the Democratic Party was deliberately giving more delegates to Clinton, even though Sanders got more votes. Now, did the FBI go after the corruption that's rigging a vote that's going one step before the presidency? No, they went after the person who leaked the information about corruption. And then interesting, we have William Benny, who worked in the NSA for 30 years in upper management. He says, oh, by the way, we spy on the private cell phone conversations of Supreme Court justices so that we can get sexual and financial dirt on them so we can blackmail them to vote the way that we tell them. He says it on NBC News, but no one disputes the fact. Is there an investigation into Supreme Court justices being blackmailed? You would think that'd be relevant, not a single investigation, but you leak information about corruption and you're investigated by the FBI. And then there's three shows. I couldn't believe this. I don't know why I stumbled upon the CBS evening schedule. They have three shows in one night about how great the FBI are on television. Back to back. FBI this at seven, FBI this at eight, FBI this at nine, how all the FBI agents are young and handsome and sexy and we're good and we're against the enemy. The enemy is the people who are corrupt in the federal government. They murdered their own president, right? You talk about, uh, what is it called? Election interference? <laughs> well, you can't get more election interference than the CIA murdering John F. Kennedy. Not my opinion. That's the opinion of the dead man's nephew, who has decades and decades of research. He said his opinion with all of his research, with his relatives being in the White House, all of that access to all that information, he says 100% conclusion the CIA murdered his uncle. Okay, that's election interference. It's not coming from Russia or China. It's coming from the corrupt people in the federal government who duly elected John F. Kennedy they didn't like because he was going to clean house and get rid of them. So they got rid of him first. It's not the first time that happens. It's in the Bible. The word conspiracy is in the Bible. People conspired, it uses the word, to kill king after king after king after king that they didn't like, right? And according to the Bible, it seems like, I think it's something like 19 out of 20 kings, 95% of leaders were corrupt. How about that? I think it's gotten better or worse, <laughs> you see? And it's gotten worse. Everything improves over time, everything, telephones, and internet connections and automobile engines. And yet for some strange reason, longevity in the United States is going down and fertility rates are down 65%. So how can we be getting less healthy if technology is going up unless it's intentional, mm. you see? 
And the people who run the world have said out of their own mouths, their goal is to lower the population by 94%. So do you think it's a coincidence that fertility rates are down 65%? Really? They, they did a study at random like a month ago, and they found nanoparticles in every cadaver they examined, or, or 90% of them in their lungs, in their heart, in their liver. Where did these nanoparticles come from? Suddenly they appear. Anything that suddenly appeared in the last two or three years, I wonder. And then an interesting little side note, they were much more rampant in males. Huh. Now, men and women work side by side. They live side by side. They travel side by side. The technology is so good. You see, only one woman, you know, a woman can only get pregnant with one baby at a time. And once she's pregnant, she's pregnant for nine months. But a man, theoretically, could impregnate 200 women, you see. So if you want to lower the population, you're going to focus on men more than you are on women, right? And so it was men who had this toxicity in them, you see. And... Don't think that the people who run the world who openly say, I mean, there's a guy, he's like the assistant to the World Economic Forum, which has 666 right in its logo, slightly hidden, but right there for all to see. 666, look at it. Look up the World Economic Forum logo and see if you can see 666 in it. It's pretty easy once you look for it. And the guy who's like advising the leader of that, which is one of the world leaders, says repeatedly, multiple times over the last couple of years, things worse than Hitler said. I can't believe it. He said, we've got basically two or three billion useless people not contributing to the economy, not giving us billionaires enough money. What are we going to do with them? Right? Do you think they're twiddling their thumbs and going, well, I hope the population lowers itself. Wouldn't that be nice? No, I think they have a plan. I think they're actively making it happen. So this is the world we live in. They fake moon landings. They shoot their own president. And guess which country is doing that? The one that boasts that it's the beacon of freedom in the world. I mean, you know what else they say? It's just amazing how virtually everything out of the government's mouth is a lie. Mark, they say this. They say the United States has the best health care in the world. They're telling that to the American people to make them feel better about themselves. Okay, then can you please explain to me why 70% of Americans are taking prescription medicine? That means 70% of Americans are sick. Is there any country in the world that has 70% of the population ill all of the time? Whatever country that is has the worst health care in the world. Isn't that interesting? So they say we're the land of the free. So you know what that means? We're the land of the slaves. Go to any restaurant. Go out today. Go out after the podcast and look around. Go to table to table. Walk through and loop around. I guarantee you 90% of everyone sitting across from one another has their face in their phone. Not having fellowship. They drove there. They went to this restaurant with another person to commune with this person, and they're not doing it. We are slaves. We're addicted. There's a line around Starbucks all around the building, out to the street. 
Caffeine is a meth class drug, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> so <laughs> in any case, uh, what, what do they want their workers? They want them energized right in the morning <laughs> to do the job for the, for the man, right? So what's the best way to have slaves? To make them think that they're free. If we have to ask permission to go to church, which they use an excuse why we had to do that, and we have to ask permission to open our business, and we have to ask permission to go swim in the ocean because they drug, dragged away hundreds of people from the beaches in Australia in handcuffs for swimming when they told them not to. So if one person wearing a uniform tells another person who doesn't have a uniform on, that you cannot swim in the ocean and drags them off to jail. One person is above the other person, right? If I have to ask permission to go to the beach and permission to go to school and permission to ride my bike and permission to go to church, permission to go to the mall, then I'm a slave. And I thought slavery was illegal. So what's the best way to have slavery? Right out in the open and trick the slaves into thinking they're free. And that's exactly what they do. They trick people who are sick 70% of the time into thinking they have great health care. I mean, it blows the mind. And they get them all foaming at the mouth, waving their flag, tearing up, on their knees praying for people on the moon when it was videotaped a year earlier in Clovis, New Mexico, according to Cyrus Eugene Akers, who was there and I witnessed it himself and said so on his deathbed. In a soundstage studio, right? Not uh, out in the open. Well, uh, uh, it was on an Air Force base, Mm. and they had two hangars that were side by side with a wall between them. They removed the wall to make it bigger. They brought in pulverized concrete for weeks on end to simulate the powdery moon surface. And uh, he stood beside President Johnson, who was there the first day of filming, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of 1968, uh, while they filmed the fake moon landing at Cannon Air Force Base. Now, my father was in the Air Force, you may remember me saying, and I never heard of Cannon. I had to look it up. It's tiny, which is great. Fewer eyewitnesses. And then every branch of the military has their special ops intelligence division, right? Guess where the special ops intelligence division is located in the United States Air Force? It's at Cannon Air Force Base. And then President Johnson gave my source, Cyrus Eugene Akers, who was chief of security of the entire base where all the Air Force's secrets were kept, right? He gave him a list of 15 people who were allowed in the visitor's door to observe, and he gave that list to me, which I published in my book. Some of these people are still alive. And when I confirmed this information with the guy's surviving son, Government agents broke into his house, took everything, all the documentation about his father working at Cannon Air Force Base. And a couple of days after that, they met him face to face and said, if he ever talks to Bart Sabrell again, they will kill him and his family. This was less than two years ago. So the reason why the book Moon Man at Sabrell.com is called Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list is not only because of that. After I made a funny thing happen on the way to the moon, I guess from watching, you know, courtroom dramas as a kid, I thought, well, why don't we just track down some of these guys, put a Bible in front of them and say, why don't you swear to God you walked on the moon, right? See what they say. 
Well, I, I got a bunch of interviews with Apollo astronauts, went in their homes, sat down, paid them $2,000 an hour. All of them asked that. All of them ask. It's like some, you know, price fixing. They will only talk about the moon landing for $2,000 an hour. Okay, well, we paid it. We have a millionaire, right? And so we set up, uh, you know, a chair. We light him and put a wireless microphone on Ed Mitchell from allegedly walking on the moon in Apollo 14. And I put a TV monitor beside him and I film him in the TV monitor. And I show on the monitor the fake footage of the one foot model of the earth. The guy looks at it. He's like, where did you get this? He turns beet red. He starts cursing at me. He says, the interview is over. I start packing up my equipment and he literally kicks me from behind. He's so angry that I have footage of the fake moon landing. Well, you can imagine, uh, you know, a little startled. So, and, you know, in that condition, I forget that he has a wireless microphone on him. And of course, the camera guy is probably freaking out more than me. Uh, you know, and he forgets this, hit stop recording. So, while the astronaut and his son, after that happened, minutes later, are inside their house with the door closed, having their private conversations with a wireless microphone clipped to them, and they forgot to. My camera guy, who forgot to hit stop recording, has the camera in the backseat of the rental car, and we're about ready to go. So we're unintentionally recording the private conversations of an Apollo astronaut and his son in their home. Well, we're professional film, and every interview, we had a written transcript of it done by a secretary. And, it, you know, we'd get them two or three months later because we did a bunch of interviews. So like three months later, Mark, I get this call from the church. I mean, sorry, from the film secretary. And she's frantic. Bart, Bart, Bart. Do, do you know what they were talking about before you you turned and went back to get your valuable microphone, you know, in their house? I'm like, I don't know what. She says, they're talking about calling the CIA to have you killed. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Just no Bart. They're talking about calling the CIA to have you killed. And I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Says, Bart, you're not hearing me. They're talking about calling the CIA to have you killed. And I'm like, really? He says, really? So I get out the tape and I pop it in, you know, my very expensive, humongous VCR broadcast quality tapes. And sure enough, they're talking about calling the CIA to have me killed because I have this tape that proves the moon landings are fake. Now, if they really went to the moon, and I'm some silly person who thinks it was done in a TV studio. Why would the CIA care? Unless they really didn't go, and I really do have proof of it. So that's actually the seventh proof that they didn't go to the moon. Because why would the CIA have to be called to kill me or to threaten to kill my source if they really went to the moon? Right, and when did this take place? How recently was that? Well, my source was threatened with death if he ever spoke to me again less than two years ago. Wow. And the incident with Edgar Mitchell, that happened a while ago. Astronauts Gone Wild, I think, came out in 2003. Mm. A lot of people have heard of the astronaut punching the guy. Well, I'm the guy. And the reason why he punched me is because I put a Bible in front of him and said, why don't you swear to God that you walked on the moon? And he refused to. And he, he said, I was doing this for publicity. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You're the one going around saying you walked on the moon as often as you can for publicity. I mean, the guy 
sells at Sotheby's auction a coin that he claims was in his pocket on the moon when he never was there for $250,000. And he, he accuses me of being a, you know, a, a detention seeker. I was like, what are you out of your mind? Yeah. So I called them a liar, a coward and a thief. And he took offense and punched me. So, you know, I, I, I later apologized for speaking to him disrespectfully, even though he is a liar, a coward and a thief. I've been a liar, a coward and a thief. And the Bible does say to correct or rebuke an older man gently. And that was not gently. And then the Bible also says, thank you, my friend Jimmy, uh, who brought this to my attention. Don't take an oath. Just let your yes be yes and no be no. Apparently, oaths have to do with pagan, Masonic, satanic rituals. In fact, one of the earliest books in the Bible talks about the fallen angels getting together, taking oaths, you know. And there was an oath in the New Testament to murder Paul, right? So oaths tend to not be from God. Jesus said out of his own mouth, don't take an oath. Just say yes or no, and that would be real. So that was wrong on my part as well. However, as a lot of people point out, it's there for an historical record that we gave these guys a chance to come clean that they didn't. And you can see that there's something not right with this picture. I mean, if I really walked on the moon, and someone thought otherwise, I would find that hysterically funny. Like, are you serious? Really? You really believe that? Will I swear in a Bible? Sure, if that'll make you feel better. Uh, two or three Bibles, that'll help. You know, <laughs> I would find that funny. But it's like walking up to him in front of his wife and saying, oh, your mistress says hello. Oh, he's like mad for me bringing it up in front of his wife and entourage. And that's exactly how he reacted. And what he really took offense at, you know, he, I called him a liar for obvious reasons, a thief because he just took $2,000 to boast about something that he never did. You know, that's stealing, right? And again, I've lied and stolen and been a coward, of course. The coward's the one that rubbed him the wrong way, and yet that the, that's the one that's especially true. The reason why he won't come forward is because he's afraid to look bad. Think about that, his pride. He accuses me of the things he's supremely guilty of, an attention seeker. And he's afraid to tell the truth simply because he'll look bad to his family and the whole world who he told his whole life that he walked on the moon when he did not. I would be more concerned about looking bad before God than before people, right? Who are going to perish along with myself. You see, in fact, the Bible says it has a list in the last second to the last chapter of Revelation of the type of impropriety that will prevent you from entering eternal life, being immoral, stealing, lying. But you know what the first one is, Mark? It's the cowardly, the cowardly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It says in Hebrews that the admirable people, the heroes of this world, they risked their life for what was right. Our founding fathers and mothers did the very same thing after the Boston Massacre, March 5th, 1770. They said, enough is enough. You killed five of our people. That's it. No more. They killed Virgil Grissom at White Roger Chaffee. That's three people. Cyrus Eugene Akers killed the fourth one, 
And uh, so another filmmaker found three or four other ones. They're using our tax dollars to buy the bullets and hire the people to do it. When are we going to draw a line in the sand like our founding fathers and mothers did? The first document of our country is not the Constitution. It's the Declaration of Independence. And the first paragraph says, whenever any government becomes destructive of the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they are to be altered or abolished. Life is the first one. Without a doubt, not my opinion, the dead man's widow told me, the CIA, our government, took the life of their own people, of their own heroes, our neighbors, because they were criminals and covering up their tracks. So our government is murdering their own people, right? Robert McNamara was defense secretary during the Vietnam War. You know what he said on his deathbed? The Pearl Harbor incident of the Vietnam War, known as the Gulf of Tonkin, that changed public opinion from being against the war for the war to get even for this North Vietnamese ship attacking our soldiers. It never happened. The CIA and he made it up. That war killed 3 million people and 58,220 Americans. The government's willing to kill them, right? So I think they're willing to fake a picture on a television set when there's no independent press coverage, no one able to verify where they are, right? And we have to just take the government's word. This picture's on the moon, right? When they can't go today, 50 years later, when no one can go today, 50 years later, that there's never been a technology in the history of the world that couldn't be repeated 50 years later when it should be 100 times better 50 years later. See? This is our nation. The light on a hill is the most corrupt one on earth. Mm, how about that? How ironic. How ironic. The boast of the greatest accomplishment of mankind is a lie and done by the country that claims to be the most honorable. Mm, I'd say something's wrong here and we need to fix it. Yeah, it feels like we're being steered in a dangerous direction uh, towards Armageddon, towards apocalypse. And yeah, I I don't know how you do it, Bart. I mean, geez, I, I don't know how you, you put all this out with, uh, you know, that threat out there. Um, you, you change your living area. Are you living somewhere differently because of these uh, potential threats? Did you choose to, to let's say, uh, go on the lamb, so to speak? Yeah, actually, I live on the moon. So I figure uh, I'm actually the first man on the moon. And uh, a really big footprint. You know, of course, you know, the uniform and the spacesuit makes it huge. So, I'm not... well... When I did Astronauts Gone Wild, in fact, if you, if you want to skip ahead, uh, uh, go, go to sabrell.com and actually put four of the 16 links on the front page. And one of them is a song I wrote uh, about uh, kind of the summary of my adventures doing this, you know, being kicked and cursed and punched in the face for facing this lie for the human race. Um, when I changed my mind and decided I was going to do this anyway, and that it was worth dying for, because what this is not only morally wrong, what they did, it's an important historic truth that if we, if mankind doesn't become aware of this, we're going to be in big trouble because these criminals murdering criminals are going to continue murdering their own people. Right? So that's important. And 
there's a chapter in the book called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to CNN. Now, I never publicly said this in any interview because I already figured, Mark, you know, I'm trying to get people to swallow this bitter pill that the moon missions were fake, right? Mark Twain says it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them that they have been fooled. And so I'm already doing this difficult job, and I thought, well, I don't want to go into the zany things that happened when I found the classified date, including phone calls being interrupted, being literally followed, being literally kidnapped and drugged by the CIA when I was trying to get the tape of classified footage of fake moon photography to CNN, literally surrounded by government agents on the doorsteps of CNN to prevent me from getting the tape to CNN, which I guess at that time was still owned by Ted Turner and somewhat honorable, right? before the CIA bought it, by the way. All those adventures are mentioned in my book. Never talked about them before because I thought, you know, it's crazy enough to say we didn't go to the moon. Let's stop there and see how we do on that one first. But I thought, well, I'm putting this behind me. I want to go on to making fictional, inspirational films, hopefully. And um, so why don't I just tell what really happened? Well, at one point, you know, I was on the doorsteps of CNN. I was kidnapped by government agents, drugged with true serum. And they had a clipboard there with questions already on it to ask me these questions. You know, where's the tape? Where are the copies? And blah, 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 blah. And uh, I don't know why you have to order board anybody because I told them everything they wanted to know, <laughs> which I wouldn't have done uh, not on the drug. So, I mean, if bin Laden has 10 children and you write her a check for $1 billion, I think she'll sacrifice one to save the other nine from poverty. And I think if, if true serum worked on me, it would work on anybody. So the only reason people are tortured is vengeance, which is another thing that's immoral about our country. Because during the Nuremberg trials, we hung people who waterboarded Americans. Mm, remember that one? We hung people who waterboarded Americans after World War II, and now we're doing it to other people and justifying it. We called Pearl Harbor a sneak attack. But when we start a war without cause, we call it a preemptive strike. But when they do it to us, it's a sneak attack. See, we say it's wrong when they do it and right when we do it. Is that a godly country? I don't think so. So in any case, believe it or not, I escaped their custody made my way back, you know, hours and hours away to my hometown, peed in a cup. I said, I got him. I'm going to prove that I was drugged by a truth serum that only the CIA would have access to. So I said, I got him. So I peed in a cup. And just in case, you know, I labeled it apple juice, you know, just so no one would find it. <laughs> and uh, I gave it to a friend to take to a lab in his name, not mine. And I did all this communication, not on the telephone. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to get this done. And uh, so a few days go by, I meet my friend and I said, well, what were the lab results? And he says, well, there was a problem at the lab. And I'm, yeah, what problem? He says, well, they had a break-in over the weekend. And I'm like, yeah. He says, well, funny thing, the only thing stolen was a urine sample. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, trying to out with the CIA, I guess. Little old me can't do that. You know how many CIA agents it takes to screw in a light bulb? 
Well, I could tell you, but I have to kill you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, geez. I I wonder if they have a sort of button that they press when truth serum comes up and uh, the, those orchestrations of uh, break-in are just, you know, uh, you know, typical procedure when that kind of result comes up on the test. Oh, yeah, there was a break-in you know, after they conveniently found uh, what was the, in your the lab, the lab, they were they were spooked. I oh, mean, oh, really? in, in more way than one. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah they were they were very scared that that had happened they're like who is this guy who's bart sprell you know what's what's that all about they were they were they were very scared that that happened they knew they were broken into uh, something happened the alarm went off or something and uh you know they knew someone had been there over the weekend and for for that to be the only thing stolen they were just spooked and uh (laughs) they're like would you mind taking your future business elsewhere Mm. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> and you did so, take your business elsewhere, so to speak. I mean, you traveled overseas, uh, so I guess all of those sort of experiences naturally led you to do that. But um, do you think you 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 are more protected outside of uh, United States jurisdiction? Uh, oh, probably not. Uh, for the following reason. Uh, one of the things I talk about in the chapter, a funny thing happened on the way to CNN and the following chapter after that called the funny thing and thing happened on the way to church was during these little adventures. Uh, I was met by pretty much government agents who were good guys. And uh, they told me they had my back and uh, keep up the good work basically and that I guess it's like spy versus spy. Remember the old Man Magazine comic, except both sides are Americans in American territory. It's like a faction of the government that's good and a faction of the government that's bad, and they're spying on each other. They tap into absolutely everything. They tap into every camera at every 7-Eleven, Walmart, Kmart, grocery store, every camera that exists, because all these cameras are fed through the Internet. A manager at 7-Eleven or the owner goes online and he can look at his store and say, oh, you know, here's my employee sleeping. I'm going to correct them for that one, you know. So the government can tap into anything, both the good and the bad guys. So the good guys basically told me, don't encrypt anything. Don't uh, be too secretive or maybe only the, um, uh, the bad guys will know and the good guys trying to, you know, keep an eye on you. Uh, and help you won't know. So just do everything out in the open. Now, because there's more surveillance cameras here in America, the good guys have an easier time keeping up with me. So if I travel to a country with less surveillance state, I would think I'd probably be more susceptible to something. The The fact is uh, they have a code of sorts among thieves, you could say, to not go after the person who received the information, but to go after the person who gave it as a penalty. Now, they did physically stop me from giving the tape to my journalist friend at CNN, but um, that's been it so far. Also, even though if the truth came out, it would probably enrage the public more than who shot JFK or who did 9-11 because it's, it's different. It's an emotional bonding. It's the candy given to the child. 
and they would be taking away that candy, candy, and it would enrage them more than who did 9-11, I think. So they are concerned. They did threaten my source less than two years ago. But me, I think they generally consider it old news. Uh, I mean, 9-11 was 20 years ago, and they don't seem to care about that. Now, if it's current event, right, something they current that's currently going on, imagine some news event that's been going on for the last three years. People who were trying to tell what was really going on with that, who were very qualified people who were eyewitnesses, some of those people had fatal accidents, right? Uh, in fact, you know, one of the people who made a device that gauged whether or not the event was actually taking place or not, who said the gauge is not to be used for that and will give you a false reading 95% of the time, he coincidentally died of an illness right before the thing started so no one could interview him about it. You know what I mean? That's quite a coincidence. Same with 9-11. There's actually an interview that I saw of uh, the engineer for the World Trade Center like six weeks before 9-11 happened. And someone asked him on camera, what would happen if an airplane hit the building? And he said, nothing. It would be like throwing a pencil through a screen door. It wouldn't make the screen door collapse. All you have to do is look at Oklahoma City bombing picture where half the building was blown away and the thing stood rock solid because it's a grid. It's going to stand rock solid. So they lured him into the building on that day, and he died in the building, oddly enough. I mean, what are the odds of the engineer architect being in the building like 10, 20 years after it's built? I mean, they, they lured him in there to get rid of him. So he wouldn't be able to give that testimony. And the person who designed the device that gauged whether this event was genuine or not, they got rid of him right before the event happened. And there were other people uh, who met their death in odd ways who were very credible to give a testimony about what is going on and what is not going on. The, the media had in every television station, every newspaper, every magazine, every radio in the entire world said men were on the moon when they were in New Mexico a year earlier. So just because every TV station, every radio station, every magazine says this event, you know, is going on and be afraid of it doesn't mean it's true, right? When a former employee, vice president of a certain company making a certain medicine for an illness that people don't even have that are being, you could say, tricked into taking the medicine, says that this event is being manufactured and this so-called medicine is not good for you. You know, I'm surprised he's walking around. <laughs> I guess I guess he gave that testimony, must have slipped past them. And then now if he has an accident, it's a little too obvious. You know, sometimes that happens. Uh, but it is what it is. And they control everything. Uh, and they're just getting better and better and better. If a bank robber robs a bank, gets away with a million dollars, then he'll steal two million. And then if he gets away with that, he'll steal 10 million. So the people who run the world killed John F. Kennedy in front of 200 witnesses, got away with it, faked the beginning of a war that killed 3 million people, got away with it, faked the moon landing, got away with it, made, you know, this domestic attack uh, on Americans look like it came from, you know, the Muslim boogeyman when Americans did it. 
And in my opinion, they did the most recent little adventure that's been going on for the last three years for nefarious reasons. Not my opinion. It's the opinion of a, of a medical professional who worked for the company promoting the medicine for people to take for an illness they don't even have, right? Would you get chemotherapy to prevent cancer, right? Would you take a medicine that's going to produce cancer in your body to build up an immunity to cancer? You know, but they're convincing people that that should be done. So what can you say? Uh, other than what uh, Peter said in Acts 2, save yourself from this corrupt generation, right? My most, uh, not favorite scripture really, but most profound scripture to me, Jesus himself said, what good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? You, you can own, let's just say you owned every piece of land belonged to one person, all the diamonds, all the gold, all the skyscrapers, the space shuttle, space station, all belonged to that one person. All of that is meaningless if that person doesn't live forever. The character Bender, Futurama, when he found out that uh, he didn't have a removable memory cartridge and was mortal like his human counterparts, he said, anything less than immortality is a complete waste of time. And that's what's going to happen. Unfortunately, when the Messiah said, wide is the gate and broad is destruction, and most people go that way, and he wasn't talking to the pagans, he was talking to the religious people. The way to life is narrow, and only a few find it. He's talking about eternal life. That's why the cowardly don't enter heaven, because everyone backs down from what is right, or almost everybody backs down from what is right to save themselves and their property when they're going to die and lose their property anyway. You have to think about that. You have to logically choose wisely, not emotionally. You're going to die anyway. See? And so giving in to corruption now to live a little bit longer is going to cost you later on Judgment Day, right? And even if there weren't a God, and even if there is no judgment, and it's a free-for-all, you can do whatever you want. Do you want to go down in history as a selfish pig or go down in history as an honorable person? Well said. Wow, Bart, thank you so much. I really appreciate that sentiment, and uh, and I think this is inherently a part of why, as you just illustrated, they faked everything from... the official story of what happened in JFK to the official story of 9-11 and so on and so forth, because they're managing consensus reality uh, in order to, you know, maintain this power structure. But I, I, you know, was wondering, as you were saying, you know, earlier about this sort of depopulation to the same vein of what you're saying about immortality, what's the point? You know, what's the point for them to, to remove 95% of the population if they themselves are, uh, are mortals, you know, it's, it seems like, uh, a species suicide, so to speak, or, you know, human, hu- humanity sort of, uh, self-destructing, right? And why would the elites want to, uh, initiate that, you know, only 5% of a population, you look at any species in, in, in the world, the ones that are critically endangered have an incredibly hard time of, uh, you know, propagating, promulgating themselves. Obviously, there are human 
issues that it caused those situations. But you know, we're looking at uh, an earth that would be, you know, empty essentially. What would be the point for them? What would be the who would they sell their crap to if, if we're not here? Well, they've already got enough money to build bunkers uh, to survive uh, for quite a long time and their fifth generation to survive. And their minds, of, of, and of course their minds are arrogant, and they think they have the answer to everything when they don't. And they think they're right when they're wrong. They think AI will take over, and that'll, that'll solve a lot of the labor problems. And I got a Pentagon report from a Rockefeller Foundation Corporation that predicted uh, 10 years ago the populations of every country in the world in 2025, just two years from now. And what a coincidence that all the Western nations, as they're so-called, have a population decline, 70% to 85%, equal to the percentage who took a particular uh, medicine recently. And then all the countries uh, that show a population increase, which is mostly Latin America, as it's called, and Asia, as it's called, they actually got a different medicine, believe it or not. A traditional one, not one that tells your body to produce uh, something that's not appropriate to allegedly build up an immunity to something bad. Hmm. Because that labor is cheap. And those cultures are more submissive and don't want gun rights, and freedom rights, and so forth. So they're going to keep a little bit of the labor pool. Uh, however, and, and a little side note, this is why all these companies are doing layoffs. You notice that? IBM and Amazon and Facebook, they're doing thousands and tens of thousands of layoffs now. They're preparing for this, Okay. The billionaires all know each other, and it's just a handful of people who run the world. And they're preparing, in my opinion, an intentional economic collapse. And if you want to read a fascinating book of the Bible, whether you believe it or not, read the book of Revelation. And you'll see there are seven plagues in the last days, and one of which, I think it's number three, it talks about a loaf of bread selling for a day's wage or $100. So I think economic collapse is going to be intentional, as some believe the stock market crash was of 1929, to buy low and sell high. And they had an excuse for the last three years for closing churches and making you ask permission to open your business and permission to go to the beach. Yeah, we know, you know, this isn't right, but it's extraordinary circumstances for us being tyrants, right? They're going to use that same excuse if there's economic collapse. Well, you know, we need to bring in the government and guns and machine guns to protect food and protect banks and protect ATMs and protect you. So I think uh, economic collapse is likely to happen before the end of this year. And coincidentally, it's the next sequence in the book of Revelation. And so they're doing these mass layoffs now to prepare for that event and possibly even in their minds, a humane way of doing it. They're going to lay off people now before bread becomes $100 a loaf to acclimate these people uh, into that situation a little bit more gently. For all we know, there's a um, solar system event coming 
just as uh, Eisenhower said, his last day in office, bless his heart. He was afraid to say it for the eight years he was president. January 19th, 1961, General Eisenhower said, oh, by the way, before I leave the presidency for eight years, look out for traitors in our own government who are taking over the country. Good luck, Kennedy. (laughs) Then Kennedy did something about it. Look what happened to him. Eisenhower knew better than to even warn us about it until his last day in office. Well, Homeland Security Director Janet Napolitano said something really interesting. Her last day in office, you know what she said? She said a natural disaster is coming that has never happened before in the United States of America. And whoever has to deal with it is going to need a big bottle of Tylenol. Well, there's actually three clues there. You see, something's coming, and they're preparing for it. They're preparing for it by training us over the last three years to submit for an emergency. And they're preparing the economy now by laying off the people now. What is coming out of her own mouth? Not my opinion, her opinion, her insight, not opinion. What's coming is a natural disaster. What's coming is a natural disaster that has never happened in the 247 years of America, where we've had volcanoes and earthquakes and hurricanes and floods. And most importantly, it's a natural disaster that somehow you could know about years in advance. You can't predict an earthquake. You can't predict a volcano. But you can predict a comet, an asteroid, and the passing of a rogue planet, which they suddenly discovered are commonplace, and every solar system has at least two of them. Planets the size of Jupiter passing through a solar system and pulling planets out of orbit. What a coincidence, Isaiah says, chapter 13, verse 13, about the last days, that one of the tribulations for mankind will be that the earth will be moved out of its place. I write an article about this at sabrell.com. Put the link beneath the video, scroll down halfway, there's an article about Planet X and an interesting discovery that Gil Broussard pointed out to me. Prior to 705 BC, every civilization of advanced astronomy on the Earth, which is like the Mayans, the Hebrews, the Chinese, and the Egyptians, they all had a calendar that of a year that was 360 days. That's why there's 360 days on a compass. And that's an interesting little side note. What that means is our year had 12 months, 12 tribes of Israel, and each month was exactly 30 days. Now, it would be hard to argue against divine creation, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a clock. That's a physical clock in nature. How could that happen by accident? And then, get this, after 705 B.C., after how it's recorded in Second Kings that the shadow on the steps, not a sundial, went backwards, the earth was tilted somehow. Right after that, all the civilizations around the world simultaneously changed their calendars 
to a 365 and a quarter year. Why did it lengthen, right, by five and a quarter days? Because it took five and a quarter more days for the earth to go around the sun because it was pulled out of its place. It was pulled further away from the sun by something substantially longer, uh, bigger than the earth, a rogue planet. You see, and they've been hinting in scientific journals that rogue planets are real, that they can elongate the orbit of planets. And there was even a special, the Weather Channel uploaded and took down. But I put it on my YouTube channel, and the link is at the bottom of sabral.com and in the article. They said that a rogue planet only has to come between Jupiter and Saturn to kill most of the people on Earth because it will pull Jupiter further away from the sun and that will pull the earth further away from the sun. And we'll have super cold winters and super hot summers because of elongated orbit. So I think that or a comet or asteroid is heading our way. Just like Janet Napolitano warned, it's a natural disaster that has never happened in America and a natural disaster that because of the mathematics of orbits, you could know about years in advance. I believe that they are reducing the number of people on the earth intentionally in advance of that event so that it will be less of a shock when those climatic things happen. And instead of all half the world dying in one year, they will get rid of half of the people in advance of that so that it will be less of a shock on society because they like society too. They want to travel and eat in restaurants and so forth. That's my opinion. I wrote an article, took me hundreds of hours to write and research at sabrell.com. Just click down halfway and there's one about rogue planets. So a little side note, you know, NASA would know about that stuff. And the last thing they're going to do is tell us the truth about it, right? They lied about the moon landing. For all we know, they lie about probes on Mars. And who knows, they would probably lie about Planet X2 or a comet or asteroid. I mean, would they really, come on. Would they really say, hey, you guys, an asteroid's heading toward Earth on this date. Get ready. No, of course not. Kidding? They want to lower the population. And they would prefer not going down in history as the next genocidal Hitler. So what about just stepping back, not telling anybody, and let Mother Nature do it for them? And that way they can say, well, we didn't do it, you know? But they also didn't warn people when they were supposed to. And back to them being mortal, you know, when someone's obsessed with something, if you don't believe in God, all you have is this earth. And if you're obsessed with wealth or sex or alcohol, that's your, your life. You're in now. You're in now land. And you're always in now. And you don't really think about the future. You think about now and keeping now going, keeping being rich and in control, you know, going. And in their minds, uh, there is no afterlife, I guess. A lot of people who run the world may think that. And so we're, they're going to build a better world for their children, not our children. Because when they want to lower the population by 94%, I suspect they're not in that 94%. What do you bet? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. It does feel like they've already taken the necessary steps to uh, segregate the United States into classes, you know, and, and I would imagine that, there are people in uh, the upper echelons of uh, 
certain industries that are already privy to these kind of developments because their technology is being used in, you know, underground bunker building and all the other things that are, are being uh, constructed to, to safeguard them in, in the case of a natural disaster. You know, I'm sure there's a few uh, construction contractors who have gotten really wealthy off of, uh, off of doing all this for somebody, but Bart, we've, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you're about to conclude, and thank you because I've got to go. But let yeah. me say one thing. There's a this is in the Bible. It actually says in the Book of Revelation that in the last days the world leaders will go into caves and holes in the ground to escape what is coming upon the earth. Mm. Jesus said the stars will fall from the sky like ripe figs. I think that's a meteor shower. And Jesus said one of the signs is that the seas would be tossing and turning. They already toss and turn every day, 20 feet tide. If planet X is seven times bigger than the Earth, that's 30 times bigger than the moon. That's going to make the seas toss and turn. You see that? So something's coming, and there's a telescope, the most powerful telescope in the world that happens to be an infrared telescope, which is the only way you can see a rogue planet, in Arizona, run by the Jesuits. And it's called the Lucifer Telescope. And a Jesuit on his deathbed said they're tracking an object that is going to play a significant part in world history in the last days. I think they're tracking planet Lucifer. You see, if planet Lucifer came by in 705 BC, it destroyed the testimony of divine creation. You see, it destroyed the inarguable proof that God made the solar system, right? Now they're now one month is 29 days and one is 30, one is 31. You see, it's symbolic of that. And why would a church call anything Lucifer unless a telescope is tracking planet Lucifer? My personal opinion, you can read about it at sabrell.com. Get my book on audio, Kindle or print. If you want to hear about the moon landing fraud and all the links to watch all this stuff are for free at sabrell.com. Wonderful. And all of those links will be in the description. So folks, please do go and check that out. And onward with courage, folks. I think Bart stirred up uh, a lot of feelings of uh, wanting for courage in my life and to take a step forward into the now courageously so that we don't end up on the wrong side of this maybe incoming last judgment. So with that, folks, uh, Immerse yourself with courage wherever you are in the now. All right, and that is our interview with Bart Sabrell. Thanks so much, folks, for tuning in, of course, to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Be sure to leave us five stars, a rating, and a review. If you're listening on Apple or really any app, most apps have this uh, sort of feature nowadays. Uh, big shout out to Bart. You can find more from him at sabrell.com. The link is in the description. Another really great link in the description is myfamilythinksomecrazy.substack.com. Go there and check out uh, the latest posts and bonus content. I'm going to be posting more bonus content there. And for anybody who wants to support the show or wants the bonus content but cannot afford it, Substack has this really cool thing where I can actually give you a one-year free trial 
And uh, if you are short on cash, you can't afford to support, but you still want to get access to some bonus content, just send me a message. I'll understand. I'm not going to hold that against you. I'd be happy to give you a free trial uh, for a year on the Substack, and you get all the bonus content, uh, and maybe at some point you can uh, support the show. But either way, folks, I understand times are tough, so I figured I've asked so much from everybody uh, through the course of this show, and we've had so many kind, generous people who have come along to support via Patreon. So please do go there if you can. If not, don't hesitate. Reach out to me and I will happily link you up there on the Substack. It's the least I can do. I wish I could do that with Patreon. Patreon does not allow me as a creator to uh, give people any sort of free trial or uh, a sort of, I don't know, uh, free subscription or whatever you call it. Actually, I had to recently change the way the Patreon works because I noticed people were creating a temporary account for the month and then deleting their subscription uh, right before the pay charge period only to resubscribe under a different account next year or next month because uh, there's no it was it was basically like a every month basis charge. So you could essentially, uh, you know, maneuver around the payments so to speak no longer can you do that because uh, as soon as you sign up for the patreon it charges you up front so uh, hopefully that'll mitigate the scammers not that i think too many people were doing that it might have only been just one person Uh, but either way shout out to all the beautiful kind people who are supporting us on the patreon they will be joining in on the 22nd for a uh, group podcast that we're all going to do if you want to participate, sign up on the Patreon, find out exactly what you need to do. It's it's somewhat of a, a challenge, sort of an activity that you can do outside uh, wherever you live. And then on the 22nd of this month, we're all going to join and talk about our experiences together. So if you want to be a part of that, sign up on the Patreon. Uh, I will post some information about that on the Substack as well for all the folks over there on Substack. I've been posting videos on Substack. Uh, It's been working out pretty well. So if you don't like Rockfin, I understand. You can pay $8 a month and check out all of my videos on Substack from here on out. I haven't uploaded the back catalog yet, but I will do that eventually. So uh, thanks, folks, for tuning in. And if you're listening and uh, you can help out with some editing, I really am in the need... I could use uh, help from someone who knows how to edit text. So if you're out there, this is something you'd be willing to do uh, for a, a price or maybe just to support the show. I really prefer if you do it to support the show. But if this is something that's within your skill set, reach out to me, mfticpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, now that we're in the classified section, I actually have two more roles that I'd like to fill. I need an artist to regularly help out on projects around the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. So if you're an artist, you want to promote your art on a podcast that regularly gets over 7,000 downloads per episode uh, and growing, reach out to me. We can strike up or forge a 
mutually beneficial partnership where your art is featured as the podcast album artwork for this show and you will receive a shout out in every episode as well as a plug and your links in the descriptions of each and every episode so i want to make this sort of symbiotic thing where maybe people can help me out for a year or a month or however long suits them and create artwork for the show and then when they're tired of it or you know maybe we find somebody else we sort of uh cycle them out with someone else i don't know really how it's gonna go hopefully we find somebody who's dedicated and can uh stick with us and as the show grows uh, i'll be able to uh, pay you eventually so yeah definitely something to uh, keep in mind that i can't pay you if you're gonna help me out with art but i can help promote your work and promote your business uh, as best as i can with this show that is growing and uh yeah you know obviously if you're someone who can churn out art pretty quickly this would be uh, more of uh, an opportunity for someone like that uh, if you're someone like me i mean i i dabble in art but it usually takes me quite a while until i'm you know, fully satisfied and feel like oh, okay i'm finished with this so maybe not the best for a long form type of style if you're able to sort of put something really cool together uh, within the course of an hour or two that would be ideal i'm not looking you know for van gogh i just want some really cool distinctive art that's gonna uh catch someone's eye and maybe make them listen to the podcast if they otherwise wouldn't and of course we're using the ai art now and i really don't want to use that moving forward uh, because of all the weird associations with art and ai so if you're an artist please don't hesitate reach out if this sounds like something you'd be willing to do and of course if you're a musician a rapper you make music and you want to help me with some new music for the show uh, reach out to me on social media or email me at mfticpodcast at gmail.com that goes for uh, artist editor or musician and anyone i would love uh, all three uh, as soon as possible reach out let me know what you think and of course if you can help us out with a one-time donation folks listening um keep the show going so we can eventually afford to hire people who have those skills that i uh, do not have or have the time to <laughs> hone uh, sufficiently for me to feel like it, it's equipped to be a part of this podcast you know the ai art is cool the only reason i use it is because it it's instant you know and i don't you know it's free as well i mean somewhat free so yeah i, I don't want to use the ai art forever because i don't want to feed into those algorithms and i also want to support an actual living person out there and i know tons of artists listen to podcasts so if you're an artist you listen to this podcast and like i said you're up to that uh, challenge of being able to turn out art in a short period of time um most likely based on the topic or theme of the episode hit me up if you're that guy or that gal hit me up and musicians too if you can put together a one to three minute song themed 
uh, with lyrics theme to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast uh, vibe, well, hit me up. I'd love to uh, pay you for that. I know music is uh, a little different in this case. And uh, yeah, I figure, you know, there is a price that you would feel happy uh, accepting uh, to put a song together well let's let's meet and negotiate that price um, anyways enough business talk thanks folks for tuning in to this episode with the great Bart Sabrell be sure to check him out sabrell.com check out his book his film uh, and uh, say a prayer <laughs> hopefully he he stays uh, sticks around with us he's talking about some controversial stuff but like he said it, it seems like it's it's blown over. They're more concerned with the more recent psyops that have unfolded. So stay tuned, stay focused, keep your eye out for the next one, whether it's a, a Chinese spy balloon or a war with Russia. Who knows? But keep your heads up and uh, immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. MFTIC. Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface They want you confused like you never knew your purpose Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine My family thinks I'm crazy, I can't believe what I've seen Memories of a war, the Pleiadians and Anunnaki Stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body DNA fractal, the universe within me Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati Puppet masters know the power of the mantra Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on ya Subliminal messages hijack your perception Tricking the population with holographic projections We see through it the system is unraveling I'm astral traveling to the library of the Vatican On a sacred journey I embark with the squad Forever spitting truth like Mark on the pod Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. You don't even know how powerful you are. We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade. I awoke in a deep underground military base. Zero recollection of how I got to this place. Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders must have been extracted when they crashed into us. Animal hybrids contained in the cages. A lion with the eagle head, monkeys with reptilian faces Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit All of a sudden the wall flickers away Revealing a hangar full of spacecraft, my getaway I run to the nearest one See a guard knock him out, robbing for his plasma gun Hop in the ship, take the controls They highly intuitive, I figure it out easily Lift off, accelerate through a tunnel until I see the light Fly into the sky, get flanked by six F-35s Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers, searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety, is no measure of health To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade <laughs>